All right, guys, uh, right up top here, I'm just going to let you guys know. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of audio issues here and there throughout the episode, so I, I do apologize for that. Uh, it's both a uh, problem with uh, Skype and my um, lackluster internet connection, I guess you could say. Maybe the laptop I'm using might have had something to do with it. I don't know. But uh, beforehand, uh, we had a couple of minutes of uh, just kind of chit-chatting back and forth, and I think that would make for excellent uh, bonus uh, show material. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to post that two minutes over on Patreon.com and Subscribestar.com and on Bitbacker and maybe Mines, too. Why not? <laughs> and uh, from there, uh, if you guys want to see that stuff, of course, uh, you know, subscribe to the show. Get a, get a little bit of extra for, you know, a buck. I don't know. Anyways, guys, here's the show. We'll just uh, go ahead and get right into it. Nervous Nellie's calling the police when they're when they have a minor annoyance. Yeah, kind of like Dog Park Diane here just last week. <laughs> right. I can't believe that this is people's actual first instinct is to uh, call the cops when they're just not getting their way, or if they're just if something is just slightly bothering them. Yeah, I, you know, I was really shocked by the dog park Diane one because I, I was looking for it a little earlier. Um, I don't even think she tried to stop it first. She just, like, called the police, like, there's, there's a dog humping my dog, sexually assaulting my dog. I'm like, that's what dogs do, lady. Like, <laughs> you know, I, at least you would say something to the owner, like, hey, can you grab your dog and yeah, whatever. But no, let's just call the police right away. So kind of strange. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I mean, uh, if you go to a dog park, you're obviously going to see some kind of dominance thing going on between the two dogs, you know, and that, of course, in- involves right. humping. I- I've got a little 12-pound miniature poodle. Right. She humps like a big dog, you know, <laughs> and she's a little female. <laughs> I would not call the cops That's on my funny. little breezy and say, hey, you know, <laughs> stop trying to a- well, attempt to rape. breezy is a, a kinky. Is she a kinky girl? Apparently. Yeah, it's, like... <laughs> she's a switch uh yeah I, 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 like that's dog behavior right dogs are gonna do that i'm i'm not a dog person per se but you know if i'm going to a dog park i would expect dogs to act like dogs and right you kind of take a risk but for me the the interesting thing is that this like instead of talking to your neighbor right there which is yeah. just you know the per, other people at the dog park that you would call the authority to say, hey, can you stop this? Instead of just taking that couple seconds that maybe feel uncomfortable to you to say, hey, can you grab your dog from humping my dog? Like, I don't I don't want my do- your dog humping my dog. But instead, to, to, to appeal to the authority in that situation, I think it just shows how the mindset of people, this cult of authority yeah. um, that, that people really have now and... and you know who needs police when, when you can police yourselves. You know, you're gonna police yourself. You're gonna make sure that. It, I mean, not even that. That's not even a law thing. That's just a preference thing. She didn't want that happening to her dog. So, yeah, it's really a sad situation. 
Yeah, as uh, in, I used to go to dog parks all the time. I can't go anymore because I have a uh, blackmouth cur that likes to bite and chew on all the other dogs. And um, so, but even in that like in that situation, you know, I just go up. You know, I get the dog off of her. I was like, okay, well, we're done for the dog park today, and you know, leave. Um, but it was never anybody's instinct to just say, oh, you know what, I'm going to call the cops on you right now. You know? <laughs> right. And um, yeah, and especially. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Especially with all the all the violence surrounding calling the police. That's like the last thing that I'd want to do. I was in a, another group um, on Facebook the other day, and a girl had asked the question. She said, I had this, this person, I guess they're in the repo business or something, and she had repossessed this woman's car, and the woman had oh, said boy. something to her that was slightly threatening. It, was, it wasn't, I wouldn't have considered it a, a legitimate threat. Right. Um. She just said, God told me you're going to die in a car crash or something like that. And so, you know, it's annoying and it's weird, but it's not threatening. But she was like, I want to call the police on this woman. And I said, well, you know, calling the police on people could mean a death sentence. Are you are you OK with that? Like, that was all I said. And, and so, you know, I, I don't know what she ended up doing, but I'm just amazed at at the things that people, even libertarians will say, I want to call the police yeah, you know, on this person, or I'm thinking that you want to get the violent authority, the the authority involved in something. It's annoying, but it's not. It's actionable. It shouldn't be something that you feel like is actionable. Yeah, but people do it. Yeah, it's so crazy. And when you try to explain that to somebody, it's like, well, I I'd I call call the cops. You know, you know, I've got neighbors down the road, and. uh they've played their music like so loud where my, my floorboards were vibrating with, with the beat of the music and everything. Mm. And it was one yeah. of those things where I walked down there knock on the door and tell them, Hey, you know, you got to turn this down, you know? And there was one night I, I tried doing that, knocking on the door. The music was so loud. They couldn't even hear me knocking on the door. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> um, let me, uh, let me violate the property a little bit more. I'll walk around and I'll try tapping right. on a window or something. They still didn't hear me. I was like, okay, at this point, I now have to call the police <laughs> because there's, right. I mean, they're just not paying attention or whatever. And by the time the cop had rolled around, they had already turned the music off and left for the evening. So it was like, all right, well, thanks guys. Yeah. 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 I, I think so much of that can just be handled like, you know, neighbor to neighbor, person to person. Um, I, you know, one of the, the things that all this, the dog park thing brought to mind was the, the people, um, the family that was barbecuing in the park oh and uh, the lady called the police on them and i mean and, and did you also have the little girl the little black girl with water bottles and the white lady called on her too and uh, i think they were calling her hermit patty mm, yeah. i don't know what they're calling the other lady from the barbecue do you know what they were calling her Oh, it might have been like uh, barbecue Nancy or something like that. It was, they're they're all like no, these crazy yeah. like uh, <laughs> middle class like white women names, which is hilarious. Like right. this dog park Diane. I was like, all right, now whoever's got the job of coming up with the with the moniker for these people, they're they're not being paid enough. That's always they're always so right, good. Yeah, yeah. I you know a lot of those were made into race issues because of the optics of it. I mean, clearly you see. You see a white a white woman calling the police on a black family or on right. a little black girl for selling water bottles without a permit, and and I think, you know, optics are often a distraction from what's really going on. Yeah. And I believe 
that people miss the mark on this. And it's just because most, you know, the normies out there don't think about things in the same way that we would necessarily. And, and as I was, you know, kind of reflecting on those, I thought this, this isn't about race. This is about authority and obedience and, yeah. um, you know, making sure I'm virtuous because I follow the law, the letter of the law. And, and that's exactly, those people are doing exactly what they're trained to do. And, and in those situations, the cops, when they got there, they just sort of blew it off or laughed or whatever and said, this is ridiculous. But yeah. if that were a cop that had given the, the directive of you may not be selling these water bottles or you don't have the right kind of barbecue to be barbecuing here because they were in a barbecue area. Right. That, nobody would have questioned that whatsoever because the cops would do something like that, and they would expect you to comply. And if you didn't comply, if you're trying to say, man, this is not really that big a deal, right, that I'm using charcoal instead of whatever. Yeah. They, you know, they, they, they can pull a gun on you and make you do it, right? And they can arrest you and say you were, you know, whatever, doing what, whatever claim they would come up with. But, you know, the fact that these people – they're in this cult of authority, and it's like you, you aren't obeying. When I told you what the law was, you didn't, you know, jump when I said, how, you know, jump. <laughs> and so they, they called the, then the authority, the, the police have an act violent that because still the, just a regular citizen, they're not allowed to enact violence. So they call the violent people to come and, and enforce what they know is, this is right, dang it, and, it's just a, it's it's incredibly telling about the mindset of the modern American. <laughs> so I don't think it was a race issue. I mean, there may have been some racial racial motivation, but I really think it was more about just this um, idea of complete compliance with the law and obedience, and that the law is right, yeah. regardless of whether it's your business or not. You can interject yourself in other people's business because it's the law. Yeah, and, and definitely in these cases, uh, you can see that the uh, the mind control brainwashing has worked. I mean, because the, that's their first instinct is to pick up their f- cell phone and hit the 911. Or if they know the police officer's phone number directly, they'll go ahead and call it. Um, but like you said, yeah, they don't understand, you know, when you're doing this, you're now putting someone's life at risk. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we can take a look at Eric Garner up in uh, New York yeah. selling loose cigarettes on the street and got choked to death. You know, yep. f- over a stupid cigarette tax. Yep. And then not only choked to death, but these piece. Can I cuss on your? I, I didn't ask you that. You can fucking yet. say whatever okay. you want. The FCC okay, okay. ain't fucking anywhere around here. So. Right. All right. Okay. <laughs> so those pieces of shit, the pieces of human garbage, trash that those cops were oh, that yeah. showed up later at a protest wearing the I can't breathe. Oh the, yeah, the cops. Them. Yeah, the, they had the shirt that said I can still breathe. You know. Oh, <laughs> it makes it even worse. I mean, just that the vile, those, those are vile human beings. Like they, everybody that knows them should be ashamed of them. And the people that those, uh, the, the township that those, the cops worked for, yeah. they, everyone should have been like, this is beyond the pale. Like, not only did you murder this man, then you're mocking this man and his family. And, you know, if this were a cop's family yeah. and a cop was killed and someone showed up wearing a shirt that said, you know, all cops are bastards or shoot the pigs or whatever it right. is, they would lose their shit and they would probably murder them and and get away with it as well because, oh, you yeah. know, the emotion of it. But, you know, when, when the cops do it, I guess it's okay somehow. And, it, I, you know, well, I, I'm just... 
I'm sick of the predators. Sherry, didn't you know that, you know, a badge and a government-issued costume and a gun that, that gives you extra special rights that us mundanes right. don't have, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, the special class. And they're the biggest yeah. bunch of snowflakes of them all. Like, I, I was just uh, posting an article the other day about them. They were whining about um, having to have these body cameras. And there's a, a <laughs> yeah. law some, some places trying to pass that would make it illegal. A federal offense, I guess, some kind of um, felony, not federal, a yeah. felony for people to, for the cops to turn off their body camera. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's and what I you would have, want to see. Yeah. Absolutely. I even had libertarians say, well, I don't think this is something they should go to jail for. I'm like, you don't really? When they get to enact violence against people. Yeah. And this is one of the few protections against the cops that people actually have. Right. Because if you try and defend yourself from a cop, you're going to get murdered. Yeah. We saw it in Houston. Yeah, like, straight up. Yeah. Yeah, so this is one of the few protections, and these assholes need to be held to the highest standard there is. Not a lower one, not a regular standard. They have signed up to follow the orders of the lawmakers, and they are law enforcers. They're not peacekeepers. They're not public servants. They are hammers, and we are all nails. They're trained to be warriors, and they look at everything as a war. And you know, you're just a regular person going about your day. You're not thinking of things like that, but they are. Yeah. And boy, they're going to come at you like that too. And so I think they should be absolutely held to the highest standard. And I think their ass should go in general population. Oh, they never would. Yeah. If they even go to to prison, it'll be a shorter sentence, all that stuff. So Yeah. I even saw it in uh, Crowley today, you know, because they have the police officers walking around. And you could tell the guys who had been on the force for, you know, maybe a couple of decades because, you know, they're the fatter ones. Um, you know, they're kind of walking around, they're kind of joking with people and stuff. And then you see the rookies, the ones that have probably served a couple tours in Iraq and Afghanistan and, you know, yeah, they're a little (laughs) jumpy. And, you know, of course they all, they all got like the uh, tactical thigh holster and everything because, you know, they're that much better. And, uh, so high speed and low drag and everything, But, (laughs) but the entire time they're looking around and they're just bugging their eyes out at people. Uh, you know, just one of them even kind of bowed up to me a little bit because I had my hands in my pockets because, you know, it's only 37 degrees outside and windy and everything because how dare I have my hands in my pockets. Yeah. So I was just kind of walking by Uh and just kind of chuckled and shook my head and just kept walking around him and everything. I was like, oh, come on. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. For having my hands in my pockets. Like that's, there's a crime against that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's this sort of fear mentality too that there, you can see, like you said, in the difference in the training of, the guy that's been around for a while and, and probably hasn't had this more militarized yeah. training. Um, and then the the guys that are just coming back from the military and, and for some of them, that's their got, only job they can get, you know, exactly. Yeah. And so, I, you know, there's this, this fear mindset and, uh, you know, that's what the populace is led by fear from the politicians. That's, that's how mm-hmm. they, you know, keep in business. That's what the military industrial complex wants um, is for people to stay afraid so that they can stay making that money. And it, it does trickle down to the, the the standing army. That is the police on our, our streets um, because most of them are ex military and they have that same mindset. And, you know, I, I think it's, um, I think it's a real problem. I mean, I, I have a real problem with the police. <laughs> and I never <laughs> thought I would. You know, if you'd asked me three or four years ago, yeah, I just, when I first became an anarchist, I still wanted to believe that, you know, most of them are good guys and they wouldn't 
they wouldn't really do these things. They wouldn't really, you know, like, yeah, there's some bad apples. I mean, I really believed that. And then the yeah. more I just looked at it, the more I saw how they lie and they cover for each other. And, you know, that, that if you are a good guy, then you need to be standing up and speaking out against the other officers and that the thin blue line, I, my, my producer, Daniel Blanchett, he said something once that it's always really stuck with me. And that is the thin blue line used to mean the cops standing between the bad guys and and the rest of you know everyone else. Yeah. I don't know if that was ever the case, but that's yeah. what people thought it meant. And even the right. cops thought it meant that. And now the thin blue line means them standing together against everyone. Yeah, pretty so, much. Yeah, and, and I mean, you, you just, you see it, you hear the, I, I just posted an article tonight that was just disgusting, utterly just stomach-turning disgusting, where yeah. these cops pulled this couple over, um, this woman is going to get, I think she was a black woman, she was going to get medicine for her sick mother, Uh-oh. like she's, she's doing a, you know, a human good for her mother, and the the cops the passenger of the seat, which I believe was male, they had him sitting in the car. They they said they smelled marijuana. Of course. Right? Because it's always, oh, I, yeah. I smell a fire. We can go in here and, and raid your house. Um, so they smelled marijuana. So they, they had the guy secured. And one of the cops basically said to him, we're going to find some pot. Yeah. And we're going to Basically indicated, yeah, I'm about to plant some shit in your house. <laughs> right. And so they digitally raped this woman on the side of the road for 10 minutes. Oh. Um, in, in public view, and it's humiliating, and that is a rape, because they, they had no reason to believe this woman had marijuana in her body cavities. Yeah. But they did it because they could. Yeah. And that's what's so fucking sick about it. And, I, and I'm just, I'm so, I'm so fed up with it. And I, I'm just, I, I'm really fed up with the people who would sit back and say, well, it's just a few bad apples. When, yeah. when, it's the evidence is all there that it's not yeah. just about a few bad apples. It's about their mentality. Yeah. But they, they fail to even complete the cliche saying it's a few bad apples will spoil the bunch. Spoil the bunch, Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, a good point. Yeah. And even if there was, you know, a good guy cop where, you know, he's not out there trying to write speeding tickets. Okay. Maybe he'll get the guy who's doing 90 and a 55 sometimes. Um, you know, but he's still enforcing some kind of other bullshit law. And, right. And even if he quits, that's when he becomes a good cop. Well, he's not a cop anymore. So really right. there's no such thing. <laughs> or the ones that do, I mean, we have someone in the there's someone in the Libertarian Party here, um, who used to be a deputy in a local county and he arrested the sheriff for <laughs> drunk driving once and of course he was fired. Yeah, like of you, course. Yeah. There are no good cops because a lot of them just get fired when they speak up. Um yeah. there's the story of the woman cop who pulled a, a cop over another cop over from another county for speeding and of course she lost her job so you know that's that's part of it that the fraternity of cops does not take well to act, actually having honor yeah. actually standing up and being you know for what's right not just the law and you, you see the mentality of these people I don't know about in Louisiana where you're at but here we got a bunch of these pieces of shit walking around with Punisher tattoos, not all, uh, tattoos on their arms and on their cars, their patrol cars, Punisher stickers. With the blue line through it. Yeah. <sighs> it's, I mean, it's just, it's sickening. And I'm thinking for one, what kind of, you know, that just goes to show you the IQ of these people. Like yes. the, the Punisher killed cops, right? Like that's, yeah. 
okay, he was a no. vigilante and he killed cop. Um, and then also that you are saying you're some kind of vigilante that you can just, mm-hmm. I mean, I trust vigilantes more than I trust the cops. Like yeah. I, I trust one dude who's got the passion of, you know, <laughs> something happened to his family and like some, you know, uh, Clint Eastwood movie or something where he's going to get revenge on the bad guys, whatever. I trust that more than I do cops because they've actually been indoctrinated and trained to see us all as, as threats. Yeah, as as I like to say, they have a hard time sh- telling the sharks from the guppies. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's yeah, it's like every little fish that they see, that's like, oh, uh, he's got teeth, right? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. But as far as uh, Punisher skull tattoos and all this, uh, here in Louisiana, uh, there's a, a special uh, breed of cop, the one who's the uh, skinhead on the weekends and then shows up to uniform wow. on Monday. So wow, you 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 see some of these guys and it's like, oh. Yeah, you got the little uh, spider web tattoo on your elbow, huh? Oh, okay. Yeah. I know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that that local politics and politics in general is corrupt, but in Tennessee, it seems to be especially, you know, we, any place you have a dominant, like just the, the the duopoly has one side has run rampant in that state. It, you've got just a stranglehold, and the corruption is is terrible. And I know that's the case here with the Republicans. And I think so in, in Louisiana, it's the yes. same thing with the Democrats. And so you've got these these good old boy networks that are so entrenched oh, and yeah. just basically do what they want. The nepotism that is involved and the cover up, it's, it spreads outside of the police department. And I remember, now come to think of it, um, when I still had the radio show, we covered a story of a teacher down there, somewhere in Louisiana, one of the parishes, I forget the name of it, that was, they were at a school board meeting, and there was some funny business going on with the uh, chair, the, the, what do you call it, superintendent, yeah. and uh, one of the teachers wanted to ask a question, and they didn't like the question, and so she was like, well, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep talking, you're not going to silence me, well, the cop came in. Oh, and like took, yeah, took her outside and then, um, she ended up getting arrested, all that. I, I don't know whatever happened to it, but he like, just for asking the question, like, because he's paid by, or I guess he was moonlighting, but he's being paid by these people. And I don't know. It's just, uh, these networks of corruption that we have to fight, especially in the, I think the smaller towns too. And Knoxville's not, it's not massive. No. Um, yeah, you wouldn't like, call it a metropolis by any stretch. Yeah, yeah I've been through like Knoxville 300. a few times. So. Yeah, it's a great. I mean, it's a good medium-sized town, you know. But um, the police here, we just had a, a few years ago where um, there was a picture in the paper, and I think they had on video too, where the cops had uh, broken up. You know, like they they always wait for the people to get out of the bars downtown, right? So these these drunk guys, they arrested one of them. And they had his hands cuffed behind his back, and he was mouthing off to them. And one of the police started choking him. Of course. And this is a guy, this fucking snowflake of a cop that couldn't take some college kid calling him a pussy or something, whatever he called him. And and he's choking him with his hands cuffed while the other cop stands there and does nothing. And that, thank goodness they got it on, on, um, in the picture but this is why they go after people with cameras like this yeah. is why they don't because they know what they're doing they know they're doing the wrong thing and they 
they want to get away with it and they believe they're entitled to. Yeah. That's part of the problem as well, is that they are entitled. I, my, my friend uh, Jeff Delaney, he's, an, he's a local actor here in town, an anarchist, and he, he had messaged me today and said, you know, I was going through the um, car wash and there's a cop in front of me and he didn't pay. And so I asked the attendant, hey, <laughs> you know, I noticed the cop didn't pay for that. He's like, oh, they get free free car washes. Yeah, and they get some free. Of, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, some of them come in here three or four times a day. Three or four times a day. <laughs> yeah. They're in there getting their car washed because they're, you know, they're so busy and they, they don't have enough money to police things without uh, civil asset forfeiture money. Like, yeah. it's, they're, they're sick. They're fucking twisted sick. And, and I'm, I'm just tired of people making excuses for them. Oh, yeah. The, the, uh, so at four to six dollars a pop for a basic car wash. And you know that they were going through there and just hitting all the bells and whistles for that car wash that they, every right. <laughs> couple of hours, apparently. Um, so, while I was in Crowley today, the amount of people who would walk up and shake the hands of police officers and do the mm. thank you for your service stuff, I was like going, oh, yeah. God, this isn't a Norman Rockwell painting. And even when that painting was done, I don't think it was even quite like that. Yeah. I, you know, I Norman Rockwell was very talented, but I think there is – he's one of the people, and I don't think it was intentional, but – this idea of the nostalgia of the 50s, the nostalgia yeah. of, you know, when, when things were so perfect in the U.S. And, you yeah. know, look, like the 50s were the most repressive time <laughs> in U.S. history, one of the most repressive, um, because you have, like, people, they were, you had the FBI, for one, like, behind every bush. Even Hoover said, I want an FBI agent behind every bush. Yes. Um, and, and, people and a bush knew behind every in, FBI agent. yeah that's interesting yeah (laughs) Um, yeah. but you know like you couldn't you couldn't be gay and you look at the a lot of people don't know j edgar hoover you know notorious cross-dresser and had male lovers all through yeah of course (laughs) Uh, because it's about the authority of of do what i say not what i do yeah um, and so, but, but, you know, if you look at the twenties and the thirties, and I don't think a lot of people are familiar with this country in the, in that time period where there were gay clubs yeah. where men and women openly danced with same sex people, you know, it, it, yeah. it, it, it went from that to, you know, culture swings back and forth and it sort of swung, but it went way, way, way authoritarian. Yeah. But this is the, this is what people idealize. You know, they see the Leave it to Beaver and the Donna Reed show and all those things that, you know, father knows best. Right. And they, they idealize this time period as, you know, it was a simpler time. And yeah, it was a simpler time if you were white, middle class and normal. You yeah. know what society would call normal, but for everybody else, it, it fucking sucked, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was not a good time, and and I think for a lot of those people, it wasn't a good time because the societal pressure to be a certain thing was so strong that you know you're just not able to breathe and live and be real people. And I, I, I like to be a real person. Like I, I spent a long time not being a real person, and I I'm glad to be a real person now. <laughs> <laughs> and. uh yeah, so coming up, coming, just it was just driving me nuts every time I saw one of the cops walk around today. You know, someone would go behind him, you know, pat him on the back, shake his hands, and everything. And it just, I was like, okay, I I understand you probably went to high school with this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand you've probably been buddies with him all your life, but you got to understand that even if 
even if he uh, pulled you over one night for driving over the line a little bit, he's going to do everything that he can to, number one, make sure that you are drunk, even though you might not have been drinking. Say you sneezed or whatever, and you just went over the line a little bit. He's going to make sure that you're drunk, even if you blow a 0.000. He's going to start checking any kind of medications that you're on. You know, and this is a guy that you maybe known your whole life, you know, but he's going to go right. through every little thing to make sure that he either gets a collar or a ticket, you know, right? because all of that be is productive. used for mm-hmm. their performance review. So if they're not doing that, then they're not being a quote, good cop right? Uh, and not doing their job effectively. And mm-hmm. so they'll either get sent back for retraining or just told, I right, look this week, you got to step up your ticket count or, you know, right. get an arrest if you can, you know, it's. It's basically just a game to them. It, right. They, they've kind of gamified their own jobs. Yeah, policing for profit, certainly. And, I mean, mm-hmm. if you throw civil asset forfeiture in there, boy, you got the, the lottery of, yeah. you know, that's something that, you know, is, is one of my pet peeves because it's just so, it's so blatantly robbery. It's literally yes. highway robbery. And you have these bootlickers that just, they they will make every excuse. I, I've been there's a there's a website. Uh, it's a not a website, a Facebook page. It's called Knox Crime or something like that. And I happened to go and join it once just to kind of see, keep it you know tabs on what's <laughs> going on. Like where the you know take the temperature of the people. Well, I see you still have your and, hair, so you didn't exactly pull it all oh, out. Oh it. oh oh! It was. <laughs> I had to leave it. Like I was seriously <laughs> gonna have a stroke. Like, just mentioning something like well. You know, civil asset forfeiture is is robbery. No, these these cops deserve better. They deserve to have you know. So they deserve to rob people of their property when they haven't been convicted of a crime. Like you guys are the ones that are the law and order folks, right? What happened to the presumption of innocence? Like there's no presumption of innocence if the cop on the side of the road is the judge saying you're. I think you got drugs. You know, I think you're going to use this for drugs, and so I'm going to take this money. And then we're going to go have a big party on it because that's what they yeah. – it was just exposed here a couple of years ago where they had these big parties on civil asset forfeiture money. Um, oh, you don't say. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> you don't say. Pearls thoroughly clutched. Yeah, I, they, you know, they do these things. And uh, just recently there's a, a bill that's uh, trying to get in the house here um, about ending equitable sharing which if anyone's not familiar with that, that's where the police get around. The local police will get around any kind of um, law that the politicians and the people have tried to put in place to stop the mm-hmm. civil asset forfeiture. Um, so they'll, they'll send it to the feds and the feds will take their cut oh, and course. then they'll send it back and it's laundered. Like that's what they call money laundering where, when you and I do it. But when they do it, it's just, you know, it's good police work, <laughs> I guess. Um, but, uh, so we had this bill to stop that. And of course the whore politicians being, you know, having their ass in the wind for anybody who feels like coming by and having a go. Yeah. Um, especially the cops, they, they, this bill was coming up and they, um, the, the police, like all the counties and stuff were calling them and saying, we won't be able to trap to police. They had two specific things that they wouldn't be able to police if they yeah. didn't steal your money. Yeah. And that is, uh, illegal immigration. Oh yeah, they'll they'll hit and, the hot topics, of course. Right, and <laughs> child sex trafficking. Oh, the two buzzwords. Yes. So you know, 
Like, what, they know that they're not going to be able to police those things? Like, maybe you should get off your ass and stop writing speeding tickets and use that money to actually (laughs) do something productive, you know, that would actually help someone. But, Why, if you don't let us steal money from you off the side of the road, there could be illegal immigrants trafficking childs for sex. (laughs) They could both happen at the same time. Right, it's... It's deplorable, and it, and it's deplorable to see the people who are the victims of this because it's not, you know, I mean, the, I, I remember seeing a statistic that the average take of civil asset forfeiture it's is about 800, of, yeah. it's like 800 bucks. Yeah. That's what they generally, that's the common sum they take, the average, and that's not rich people. Like, that's people going to pay their rent who don't yeah. have a bank account who, you know, have to do it, get the ca- their check cash and then go pay their rent. Like, yeah. And and I, I did see a, um, there's a great wait. You're telling me there's people out there who don't trust banks? Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Trust your bank. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, there's a great documentary by Vice. They're hit and miss for me, but this one is actually just phenomenal, and it's about civil asset forfeiture. And uh, it has the cop that started it that came up with the idea as a way to get money for his department and um there's a sheriff down in texas who's really honest about it and what they're doing and then this cop and they have um on this camera where the cop is telling someone um you know if you we're going to take your money right now yeah and of course you know you can you can sign it right now and say you're just releasing any claim to it (laughs) or you can fight it but if you fight it we're going to come arrest you yeah not that you've done anything. Well, we're going to come and arrest you if you if you decide to fight this. We're going to arrest. And so most people go, well, well, I can't yeah. afford I can't afford this to be taken, but I really can't afford to go to jail. Right. And and, uh, and I bet they, you if I showed them video of South African cops shaking people down on the side of the road where they say, oh yes, yes, you were speeding through here. You pay me twenty dollars. Uh, there's no right. It, yeah, they wouldn't even see the how the two are very similar to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, and they would say, how terrible. That's yeah. just terrible. Oh. Because, you know, that somebody else is doing it. But when it's one of their boys in blue, one of their heroes that rapes women on the side of the road. Oh, you know. yeah, the little normalcy bias starts to kick in. Well, that wouldn't happen <sighs> to me. That right. wouldn't happen down the street from me. I'm, I'm a good person and I obey. Yeah. And that's what they don't understand is your obedience won't save you. No. If they, your obedience, your love for the authority and the police, it won't save you if they've got their eye on you. Exactly. You will be this, the same piece of meat that everyone else is to them. They, right. they don't give a shit about you. Uh, so, you know, that, that's, that's the part of the indoctrination of, you know, the public school system and that, which, Many of these schools have cops walking around them all day. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm thankful I don't send my kids to public school, but, you know, a lot of people that utilize the public school system, it's, it's, I, I'm amazed that more people don't see exactly how it is a terrible thing for kids without all the other stuff, without right. any, any of the other factors, the factor, just the fact that you want kids who are, little little kids to go and sit for hours a day and be away from their parents and conform to other kids in their class I, it just it's i don't know you know i used to think like that and 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 so i know that it's it's just the normal way people think and they don't consider anything else but 
now I look at it and I go, wow, I just, I can't believe anybody thinks like that anymore, that that would be something good for their kids. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's the norm. It's, it's what people are used to. So it's what they do. And I, I get it, I guess. I just, I wish it, I wish more people would wake up to the fact that these, these schools are not your kids' friends and they're not, they're not your friend. And, but most people don't want to be, you know, yeah, they don't want to, yeah, they don't want to think like that. Yeah, they definitely don't <laughs> want to think like that because the moment you even bring up that little thing and that seed of cognitive dissonance starts to starts to take hold, they kind of look right. around and they're like, "Oh, they're teaching stuff that I can't even understand." So, like Common Core math, you know, if I've read those yeah. little uh, books and everything because I have a son who was in public school and um, mm-hmm. he started looking through them and they start doing the stacking math and everything. I was like. Okay, I kind of see where they're going, but this isn't a trick that they learn until they're like in high school when they're trying to quickly jot right. something down. You know, they have to learn how to get there first. But right. it's like throwing everything together. And then the reading assignments are like all these short little pamphlets that are, you know, you know, when I was in school, it was, you know, all right, we're going to read The Old Man and the K and we're going to read uh, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, you know, even though it's a play and we're reading it for some reason. Yeah, you know, now you see their literature classes, and it's like okay, a little short story from this book, and a little short story from this book, and then when you go look, and you can tell how edited they are, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so they're not getting a good education. And then after that, they're told, all right, well, when you're having a problem, and you'll see this on the like the little TV shows and everything, go call a cop; he'll come and help you. I was like, mm. right? Ugh. Yeah, the the myth of the good cop, officer friendly, that's gonna come and you know, make everything okay. Yeah. Paw uh, Patrol, Paw Patrol. Yeah. Paw Patrol. <laughs> I, you know, my son, uh, went, he's 16 now and a sophomore thereabouts. We homeschool, but he's a sophomore in high school. And, um, he went to fourth grade. He went until through fourth grade to public school. And I was amazed, just amazed at some of the stuff and and I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was something about the Articles of the Confederation that we actually wrote a note to his teacher about. Like, this is completely wrong. It was something to do with, you know, they're basically saying guns are bad and only yeah. the military should have guns. Like oh, that. of course. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but, um, you know, he we wrote this note to her saying, this is not at all what this says. Like, this yeah. is actually wrong. And she wrote back saying, well, that's what the textbook says. Yeah. Like they don't care yeah. to teach the truth. It's not about <laughs> the facts. It's about what the authority says it is. And Wait, we uh, had the textbook company come in here and they gave us these textbooks and right. we just teach what's in the textbook. Right. They've been approved. Yeah. And I know so many teachers who have left public school teaching. Like they just stopped teaching. Yeah. Um, I, I know a bunch of teachers. I don't, I don't know how I know so many teachers, but I do. And um, they, so many of them just were like, I, I'm just done teaching because I used to do these things with my kids. I, I had a friend who she taught, I think it was fourth grade. And she said, we had this segment of, of class time where we covered the American Revolution. And we would do all these fun activities. I had the kids, we would make costumes and we would cook food and we would learn a lot about how people lived during right. that time. She said, I don't have time for that anymore. Right. I have to pace like through to get these tests, to teach to these tests. I have to pace it so fast that if you if you're a kid who doesn't get it, you're getting left behind, and there's nothing I can do about it. And as a teacher, that is really really tough for me to see these kids drowning and not be able to do a damn thing about it because we have to keep going. Yeah. And and also that I can't do these fun things that enrich 
their learning experience um, because I have to keep, I have to do this in a certain way. And, you know, I mean, as much as I dislike public schools, I think people who go into the profession of teaching, they generally, you know, most of those people are, have a good heart and they, they want to teach. They actually want to teach kids and then they get, they get hired and out of school or whatever. And then they realize what it's really about. And it's very, it's very hard to continue in that profession. So, you know, I, I think they should all be in private sector jobs. <laughs> I, mean, I think all schools should be private. But Oh, yeah, a lot of them do. They'll go into the little Kumon uh, Sylvan Learning Center stuff and just become tutors and stuff, and they'll yeah. teach this stuff on the side. Yeah, I, um, there, there was an, another really good documentary like about um, teachers who had gone from the public to the private school setting, and uh, they were these teachers were talking about how much better it was because for when – one of the big problems that a lot of the teachers have, and I think these teachers are in like New York City as well, so imagine that, yeah. how terrible that is. But um, that they, uh, one of the biggest things that bugged them was that there are lots of teachers who don't give a shit, right. who have checked out, and and they they don't, there's no reprimand you can give them. You can't fire them. Like the teachers' unions are so powerful yeah. that teachers who are really working to try with kids you know, when when a kid sees that their teacher doesn't care, yeah, they're not going to care either. Yeah. I mean, school's already terrible enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, make me so, sit here in this desk for eight hours a day, lady. I don't think so. Right. <laughs> and so these teachers, when they switched over to the private schools, were saying how not only did they feel like their colleagues were the best, right, and that they had been, consi- you know, they're the best working here, and they were proud to work there. They were paid better. They they were able to do more. They had more control in their class. Um, so, you know, there's a lot there's a lot to be said for those kinds of settings where there's an incentive when a parent is paying thousands and thousands of dollars in tuition. They they have certain expectations, right? And if those aren't met, you're going to lose thousands of dollars, and they're going to go somewhere else with that money. So. <laughs> You know, incentives. Life's about incentives. <laughs> yep. And if, uh, you know, the little brats that don't get educated and everything, they're going to be the ones walking the streets later on <laughs> and uh, they can't get a job because minimum wage is $25 an hour and they can't afford right. it. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we have the uh, the leader of the police union over here saying, oh, well, you know, when we calculate how many beds we're going to need for Angola State Prison, we look at how many uh, kids drop out in the high school because <laughs> wow. we know we're going to be seeing yeah. them soon. So. That's awful. You know, Angola, I know, has a quite a reputation, um, and I, I've seen just a, just I, a little I, bit. <laughs> yeah, I saw a doc. I love documentaries. Slave labor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but there was a uh, a program they were doing, and I don't know. I don't know if this was the late '90s, early 2000s, and I don't know if it's just gone back to the way it was. You'd you'd know better than I would. But they had this warden that came into Angola that had a totally different mindset. He's like, this, you know, this is these people's home, right? They've Mm -hmm. been incarcerated. They should have a chance to have a life here. And I'm going to try and make this a friendly place. We're not calling people by numbers. We're not doing that. Like, he was really, really, he got to know the inmates. You saw things get safer for these guys. You saw their hopes come up like I have to be here I have no choice but at least it's not miserable right. and uh, so it made it better for everyone for the guards for 
this whole idea of the the only way to do things is by retribution and punishment is so outdated and wrong and everything about it has been proven wrong like that's just not how people don't respond to that they respond in kind yeah and yeah, I really, I really had some admiration for this guy because he he had compassion for these people. He looked at them like, you know, these are humans. They've done some bad things, right? But, you know, I, I'd imagine that a lot of them didn't deserve to be there. But uh, I'm gonna make this their home, and I, I thought that was really great. And, and, and there were a lot of statistics from before and after of the deaths at Angola, and I mean, some terrible things have gone on at that prison. It, it's, it's got a reputation for a reason. <laughs> yeah, Ang- Angola prison is how they figured out that there were black bears in southern Louisiana. Uh, the old warden would kind of warn the inmates because he would go out there and take pictures of them out in the woods. And they'd said, yeah, you can escape, but, you know, the bear's going to get you if the guards wow. in the tower don't. <laughs> so that's how they wow. kind of figured out that we actually had black bears down here because before it was kind of like Sasquatch stories, you know. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, there's no bears in Louisiana, but yeah, it turns out we have quite a bit of them, actually. Wow, that's interesting. That's a, yeah. I always think it's funny that, you know, with these prisons and they talk about keeping society safe, society safe, and with getting people in prisons when the prisons can't keep the people in there safe. <laughs> no. And they can't keep drugs out. They can't keep rapes from happening. They can't. Well, you wait, know, Donald all Trump things. told me that the that the wall will keep drugs out. Right, exactly. Well, then, you're telling well, me walls don't exactly work? It'll keep the CIA's competition out is what it will do. Oh, you mean the That's Cocaine it. Importation Agency? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, uh, talk about the lowest people in the, on the earth, in the planet. Like, they're some of the lowest people. And these are, you know, they're cops. And I love Scott Horton's take on it. And he, he always says, when you go into a courtroom... When you go anywhere where there's government agents, they're all cops. You have to remember, these people are all cops. They're yeah. all state agents who are there to put you in whatever position they want you in. That's what they're there to do. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's helpful to look at them as, as cops. The yeah. judge, the, all of them, they're cops. They're not on your side. The public defender is paid by the state. They're, he's a cop. Yeah. So, so we've, uh, even on Twitter, uh, some of the other libertarian podcasters have all started doing that. Oh, he's a cop. He's a cop. You know, and then some lawyer, you know, the, the prosecuting attorney was like, nope, he's a cop, super cop. <laughs> when Kamala Harris w- announced her little run for president. Nope. She's a cop. Uh, don't trust a cop. Yeah, never. I, I always tell my kids, I'm like, and I know they get tired of hearing it and they're, you know, they're young. I have a 16 year old. He just turned 16 and a, and an eight year old girl. Mm. And I'm always, you have like, accepted talking- your mission and good luck. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thank you. I'm gonna need it with my my girl. Ooh. I have a two year old girl who's blonde hair and blue eyed. So. Uh, yeah. There. The boy is was easy. Like, and and my son is very. He's he was born an old soul. Like he's one of those people. He's just mature. He's always been mature. He was an only child for eight years. So. You know, he's just he's that he's responsible. He likes to know what the rules are because he wants to follow them. He wants to please us. I thought I was such a great parent. Like I thought, oh God, we are, we've got this parenting thing. We're so good at it. And then we had our daughter and boy was our own. <laughs> Talk about really having to learn how to parent. She yes. is, she is feisty and, and I, it's good. You know, I wanted to be a little feisty, but Ooh, she she doesn't give a shit about what people think. I don't care what you think. When she was little, she would like I would say, 
don't don't touch that you're gonna get hurt and she yeah. just like look at me like she's yeah. gonna do it you know she didn't care she yeah. just does not care she's super independent and takes her own counsel yeah so yeah my little I, girl once uh, i was telling her not to do something and she just looked at me and she goes you silly daddy i was like i know <laughs> i have a goofball face but i'm being serious right now exactly of course i, I have really to turn my it. face and start laughing and i can't show her that that made me laugh or anything because because yeah. then there's that little oh i'm gonna act up you know, just because I know daddy's going right. to laugh at me and stuff. So. I can make daddy laugh. Look. Yeah. <laughs> my daughter, one time she, she was, uh, she's, she just all of a sudden she'll decide, I don't like this food. Like I don't like spaghetti anymore. <laughs> you liked it last week. We had, no, I've never liked it. What's wrong with you woman? Like she'll, <laughs> she'll say that to me. I'm like, you ate it last week. I remember I was there, but no. So she decided that she didn't like potatoes. This was, she was like four or five. And I was like, eat the potatoes. Just eat the potatoes. Eat your potatoes. She's like, I don't like them. And then she goes, Mama, this is force. You're forcing me oh. to eat potatoes. And <laughs> I do not want I'm like, oh, I was like, damn it. You got me. <laughs> I just had to like, all right, kid. They, um, they almost had the look on their face like, I just knocked your king piece over. Check me. Right, yeah. The monster <laughs> that I have created. But, you know, I mean, it's all good because she's able to assert her own rights and her well, own individuality. But it's hard. It's hard to raise. Like, it'd be so much easier sometimes if I were this authoritarian, I think, in a way. <laughs> I mean, like, it'd be easier as far as I would get my way and, and I would get her to yeah. do the things I want to do. But it wouldn't be better. It wouldn't be better for the relationship. Uh -huh. I, I've been the authoritarian parent. Like, when my, my son was little... It was before I actually became a libertarian and then an anarchist and really got into the idea of peaceful parenting and, and things like that. I I just didn't know any better. And I was in a, a religious group that was very authoritarian. <laughs> and their idea... Most religious groups uh, tend to be. Yeah, and this one is even more, like, it was culty. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they their idea of parenting was your child is ne like you if you say something then you better win if there's an argument you have to win it it doesn't yeah. matter if you're wrong even even if you realize that you're you know maybe you just were a little taken a little too far you have to win because you always have to assert your authority they have to know who is the parent and who is the child at all times and that you are in control and you're the boss and like all these things instead of just living together being a family and loving each other and yeah you know yeah i i do i believe in natural authority right i'm not going to say like i know there are some people who believe that their children could decide to live with another family if they wanted no i'm not you know i'm yeah. not i don't go that far i do believe in natural authority i believe i'm a, an authority in my child's life to the point where they can take over the the right their own rights like right. so so my son like i don't really He's responsible. He knows how to take care of himself. I I trust him. Yeah. And so I don't really, like, tell him where he can and can't go and what he can. Like, he, he'll tell me, hey, Mom, I'm going here with my friends, and I'll be back then. And I'll say, okay, take your phone. So if I need you, you know, I can check in on you. Like, it's, it's a mutual relationship. He respects that I love him and that I'm his mom. Yeah. But I respect the fact that he has proven to me time and time again that he's responsible. And he's 16 years old. He's a young person. He's not yeah. a kid. Right. 
and so he's he's taking responsibility for his life and and you know I see my role with him as more guidance at this point and if he needs me you know I'm there but I I don't need to tell him when to go to bed and when to get up and and what to eat and like he can take care of himself yeah. um my daughter you know she is still there are things that I have to say look sister you can't do that you know like that's not appropriate or or you know sometimes she'll hit somebody I'm like you can't you just can't that's not something that you need to do right and so we talk about the non-aggression principle or whatever but you know she but the things that she has proven that she can do she can dress herself I don't tell her what to wear anymore like I'll make suggestions and she never follows them but I, <laughs> yeah. but you know she if she's not dressed appropriately I'll say okay you can't wear shorts. It's yeah. 20 degrees outside. Yeah. Sure. It's not. Yeah. Don't be that person. You're going to freeze. <laughs> yeah. Not only are you going to like, I, I'm not so concerned about her. Like if she could wear the shorts and learn the lesson, like she's going to be cold. Yeah. I, that wouldn't hurt her, but it's other people that I'm concerned about. Yeah. I'm concerned about someone calling the government on me and, and getting in, them involved in my life. Like oh, yeah. that's what I'm concerned about. Dog Park so, Diane would be all over that. And it was like, Oh yeah. my God, that girl's wearing shorts. 22 degrees outside right and you know i this is the thing too like they had that um that couple and i think it was utah who the neighbors called the police because they let their kids walk to the park on their own oh this yeah is something, kind of the start of the uh the free range kid thing yeah, yeah yeah this was even this was only a couple years ago so even after the whole free range thing um but the, the park was close enough that the mom could even see the park from their house, I think. Yeah. So the the fact that I'm comfortable with my kids walking in my neighborhood to the park. Right. But you, as my neighbor, don't agree with my parenting decision. Yeah. And so you call the police on me? Why wouldn't you just walk over to my house and say, hey, I noticed you're letting your kids walk to the park. How do you, you know, are you okay with that? I mean, clearly you are okay with it. But, you know, talk it out. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. If you're worried about it, but you know th- that's the first instinct now is to call the authority because that's what we've been taught. We've been taught if you don't like something, you vote on it and you make other people do what you want to do, or you right. call the police on it and you make other people do what you want them to do, um, because they can't. Two two dudes being married. I mean that that ruins my marriage. Like somehow <laughs> that affects your life if two grown men have a marriage. Like. How does that affect you? Like, I don't, maybe religiously you don't agree with it. Fine. That's your fucking religion. It's not their obligation to fulfill your religious yeah. duty. So don't go to the church where they're marrying dudes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, but this is the other part of the problem is where the state sticks its head and says, you must do this. You know, oh, this yeah. church can't discriminate against these people. And, you know, when the state shouldn't be involved in marriages, period, in yep. anyone's marriage, anyone's relationship. So, yeah, that was one of the points I brought up with the whole, uh, okay, well, we've made same-sex marriage legal. I said, okay, great. I need you to go tell an imam he's now got to marry two gay men. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's a, Somehow you know, I don't think that that law is going to get enforced very much. Yeah. <laughs> I. Yeah, especially if it comes to someone other than, like, I, I hate to go to the same, well, you know, if it's only if it's Christian, then it's, they, they come after it. But it's sort of true. Like, yeah. it, it really is sort of true that the left the left whatever that is they're both <laughs> left but they that they come after christianity and it's i mean i know it's because you know most people in the country are christian um 
and they don't have the the minority status that ticks the boxes for many leftists. Oh, we're going to start playing so, intersectional bingo here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, intersectional bingo. That's great. But I like with the gay marriage issue. I was I was glad it was legal. Like I the people the government shouldn't be involved. There should never have been any legal portion of it. There shouldn't right. you shouldn't have to get a license to get married. But I didn't like how it was done just the, because the fact that the system is not supposed to be used in that way. Right. That that's not supposed to be done. But I was glad for the result. Um, I want to get rid of the system anyways. But if we're going to have it and we're going to have these rules then they should be what they say they're going to be. And that's right. that's part of the problem with having this kind of authoritarian state is they, they can change the rules at any point in the game that they want. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah, even uh, recently when the Supreme Court said, yeah, civil asset forfeiture violates the Eighth Amendment with excessive fines and everything, I was like, okay, well, you guys just opened the floodgate for all of the states to now say that the fine for carrying an ounce of weed is $50,000. And so, oh, well, the guy's got a Land Rover we can now confiscate because that's part of the fine. Right. So I, I... while it wasn't I'm, a win. Yeah, while I'm glad that, okay, we're now finally a, a, acknowledging that there is a problem with civil asset forfeiture, mm-hmm. you, you're just now just going to let the states and uh, basically watch all the southern states do it first because Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, and all that, they're going to start raking their That's fines deep. all the way through the roof. <laughs> so. Yeah, the authoritarian South, you know. Yeah. They, I, I find it interesting that um, – you know, the, the, these these people who love their law and order um, and they say, you know, the, the cops, they're good guys. They would never come take our guns. They would never, and then Red Law, <laughs> they're doing it. Yeah. You know, they're doing it. And and really, you know, my, my best friend, my I don't know if we're friends anymore. I haven't <laughs> talked to him in a long time because, Uh-oh. you know, he and his wife got really upset at me for some of the things I was posting on my facebook page about cops and and i do it on my political i I created like sherry voluntary for those of you who don't know voluntary is not my last name but i have been asked that's not that's not your christian given last name what (laughs) right exactly who to thank um but i have been asked before is voluntary really your last name i started that because i didn't want to damage like i want to speak out about these things right? right But I have family and friends, and they mean something to me. Bombard them and offend them constantly. I don't mind doing it a little bit. But, uh, you know, we're incremental approach with them. Yeah. Um, but these people joined my Facebook page, the other one, and um, <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I don't hold back on this. And so they got upset with me for some things that I posted. But my best friend became a cop a few years ago, Uh-oh. about four years ago now, five years ago. And... uh you know, he, he would always say to me, well, don't blame the cops, blame the politicians. That's who the problem is. And I said, well, aren't by saying blame the politicians, aren't you saying that we will enforce any bad law we're given? Isn't that yeah. what you're really saying? When you say, I'm just doing my job, talk to the politicians. Like, yeah, they have a part in it. But you, without you, their laws would mean nothing. If cops just said, look, I this is unconstitutional. I am not going to take someone's gun that has not been, con- you know, like th- we can talk all day about what should happen and what shouldn't and who should have guns, but yeah, I'm not going to do this. If if they would just say that, they owe law in the in the country that could. What are the politicians going to come do it? No, no. 
So, uh, you yeah, know, SJW Triggly have... Puffer, she's going to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> yeah, they, they want the cops to come take your guns. They want to use violence against you. But it's just yeah. the fact that, that you would say it's the politicians and not us when you're actually the one carrying out the violence and you think you have no, no, no moral agency that once you've become a cop, your moral agency is somehow given to politicians. No, you still have to say this isn't right and I'm not doing it. Um, so I, that's what I take from it is that they're just telling me straight up, hey, talk to the politicians because we're just going to do whatever they tell us to do. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. We're going to do it. Yeah. And if you're upset with it, then you should talk to them. Yeah. So like, uh, in cases like this, I always like to uh, write down uh, three little words. The Nuremberg trials. Right. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I, I understand. It's a Godwin argument, but sometimes the Godwin argument is the thing that's going to win it. So, yeah, you can't just say, oh, it's just following orders. We already know that you can't use that as a defense. Right. And there's a good reason you can't use that as a defense. Right. Because there's a recognition that e each one only counts for one. You, as a person, only count for you. And there is nothing immoral and unethical that anyone can tell you to do that makes it okay. Yeah. It does not make it okay just because you can. So any law like that that is such a common fallacy in the general population is legality and morality are the same and very oh, yeah. very oh, yeah. seldom are they the same they're very rarely the same thing and so you know cookie cutter solutions we've seen this with like zero tolerance policies in schools and it, I, I can tell you a story about my son now I'll, I'll i'll save it go ahead <laughs> Yeah, just it's it's the same thing though to say that this one this law this cookie cutter law is going to apply in every situation is a ridiculous idea. We know it doesn't work. We yeah. see examples of it all the time in these zero tolerance policies where I had, I had a friend, uh, my husband had a friend um, that he worked with whose son was being bullied. He kept talking to the school about it, and the school wouldn't do anything. And uh, he got his kid in, in martial arts classes. His kid finally fought back and broke the other kid's arm, and then he got suspended. Yeah, of course. So yeah. even though, like, they had been saying over and over and over again and coming back, and this kid had broken the other kid's nose. And, but according to a school, the zero-tolerance violence policy means if you fight back, yeah. that you are just as guilty. So your t it's, it's so sick to me to teach children that they don't have a right to their own bodies. They don't have a right to defend themselves. That I, would, I wouldn't send my kid back to a school for another day that had a policy like that. Right. And so I think there's some things we just have to start going, this is not okay. I know it's more convenient maybe in the life that you have set up for them to go into public school, but where do you draw the line and say, I'm not going to send my kid into a situation where they can't even defend themselves. Right. That's just, it goes to the core of, you know, their very being. That's, that's a right that they have, even as children to defend themselves. Right. <sighs> and, and for all these people who want to say, well, you can't have a gun or anything. I was like, okay, well, you've got a right to defend yourself. And, uh, even, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago, if there was a fight that was started, the the first question out of anybody's mouth was, well, who threw the first punch? You Because mm -hmm. that's, I mean, that's really kind of what we're basing right. guilt off of. It was like, who threw through the first punch? Yeah. That's that we know. Okay. He was, yeah, he was, a, he was aggressing against the other guy. Yeah. And so it's, kids even understand this just instinctually. Yeah. Right. And there's so many of the natural law things that kids understand. Kids understand free association. Yeah. You know, kids understand, um, 
the the right to defend themselves. Like the kids, kids get it because it's a it's it's natural within humans to know. Right. Like someone I was having an, an, a conversation with one night, and uh, they were saying, you know, it was a libertarian who was talking about that the non-aggression principle doesn't really make sense. And I'm like, what are you what are you talking about? Like. <laughs> Um, that makes but, more sense than anything else. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. Like, does it apply in every situation? Well, no. Like, not it's really, not perfect. But, yeah. But most of the time, it does. And and he was like, well, you know, murder might be bad to us, but to someone else, you know, some other culture, it might be okay. And I was like, no, <clears throat> murder <clears throat> is one of those things that is always wrong, and and people know it's wrong. And and he's yeah. like, well, how can that be? Because you know this morality, it's a subjective thing. And I'm like, no. <laughs> if you know, every human being knows that they don't want to be murdered. Right. So if you know you don't want it to happen to you, then you know you it's not right to do to other people. That's that's as far as it has to go. It doesn't have to be this big intellectual art. Like we over intellectualize things many times when that's the simplest way to put it. Is that Every human being within them knows that they don't want to be murdered, so right. they shouldn't murder. Pretty simple. Yeah, it's uh, like and, the uh, the North Sentinel Island right there in the Indian Ocean. That's that uh, island where people have been living there for 30,000 years. They haven't been contacted, but every time somebody gets close, they throw spears, they have bows and arrows, because the people on the island understand that if somebody else that comes here that doesn't look like us or doesn't belong here chances are they don't really mean us well and uh so yeah they get extremely violent when you know they have boats pass by and they just had that guy who was gonna you know preach the good word to him and bring him bibles and stuff and they you know they killed him <laughs> so, yeah it's uh, clear they don't want to be bothered yeah it's like it's like the telemarketers that keep coming by hey you know or calling you <laughs> you know wanting to sell you something and, and it's clear i don't want to be bothered so stop calling me but yeah i think i think they've made it clear yeah, so we can start none, won't be none, right? Yeah, don't start no shit, won't be no shit. Yeah, I I totally agree. <laughs> it's it's just it's amazing to me that people are willing to to just overlook these things and say, well, for cultural differences, yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that you can let go on a cultural basis that yeah. don't really matter, and and you know, as far as my freedoms are concerned or whatever, and 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 I I'm interested in in other cultures. Uh, maybe more than the average person. I've, I've always been really interested in that. But when it comes down to what you will allow to happen to yourself, I'm sorry, I don't care what someone, like th there's the case in Australia where the, the guy, he was an immigrant from somewhere and he had raped some, the, the judge let him off and said, he doesn't understand that rape is wrong. Mm. His culture, they don't understand that rape is wrong. So, so what? The law is like these women that just doesn't apply to to them. That yeah. that they get, they got raped. They get no recompense whatsoever. They get nothing. Um, I, that that is not okay. Like nope. I'm sorry, that's just not okay. <laughs> not good. So, it's not good. Right, that's but sure. but that was you know oh they're for for multiculturalism purposes. They're not going to hold that person to the same standard. Well, I just that that is it's going too far and that's where progressivism takes you to this place of strange allowances yeah like really allowances against victims <laughs> and against against people that shouldn't like that that's not the person like because i said I don't like people with freckles doesn't mean I need to go to prison. 
like not like people with freckles did i harm them no words are not violent <laughs> you get but you get to these places where you know they they want to hold other people outside of their group to that standard but within their group there's of course there's many allowances made and there's a lot of racism and there's a lot of homophobia within that progressive community it's just they package it differently and and so people make allowances for it yeah we just saw that here recently um where one of trump's secretaries came out and she's an african-american woman she goes no i'm black and racist and everything well, one of the other politicians how dare said, she? yeah, it was like, oh, how dare you put this, uh, this poor woman out here, uh, and parade her around as a prop. You know, I was like, okay, the statement you just made was way more racist to say that, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's just put out there cause white whitey told her to go out there and say right. some words. The poor Brown people that are too ignorant to understand and have no agency of their own. This, this happened to, uh, my friend. Alan Mosley that I do postcards from Somalia with. Yes. Great show, by the way. Into, I'm sorry? I said great show, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's a fabulous show. Alan's <laughs> so, he's witty and sharp, and he doesn't give a fuck. Let me tell you. No, when he, he doesn't. Says he does not care what people <laughs> think about him. He really does. Like, a lot of people say that. Alan really means it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he got into it with some leftists, left libertarians, as as they called themselves um, recently, and you know, he uses words that he knows is, are going to trigger. I mean, he yeah. just, he doesn't care what they he, think. He but, knows what the, what the buttons are and he knows how to push yeah, them. Yeah. His, his longtime girlfriend, um, is a, of Indian descent, East Indian descent. Okay. And the things that these left tolerant, left libertarians were sending to him in his inbox were pretty vile yeah, and pretty racist. Yeah. Probably make um, a Klansman blush with shame. Yeah, and yeah. they were they were all about you know his mail order bride and um, all these these very derogatory things about her about um, weakening the gene pool and oh like good stuff. lord yeah and then they're the they're the ones that are they're the feminists and they're the you know um, but not this person the, because she's associated with somebody else and she just right. lost her and victim so, card yeah you know she has no she she because she's with this guy that you know said some words that you don't like and so therefore you get to label him all the things that you don't like mm-hmm. um that you get to say these vile things about this woman who i mean she's not even involved in any of this she doesn't care she's the yeah. sweetest person and um but but it's okay when they're racist it's okay to say things like that you know and, and they don't think twice about it and how they're saying they're saying that she has no agency and no mind of her own right that's what they're saying and that she would she would just allow herself to be victimized by him because he's a white guy and she's a brown girl and oh, yeah, you know yeah. whatever i mean it's it's sick it's twisted and you know people are gonna say things you don't like that that doesn't give you the right to censor them. It doesn't give you the right to, it gives you the right to disassociate. It gives you the right to not like them. And you can say, I think the guy's a jackass. Like, okay, cool. I, that's your right. Yeah. But once you start trying to say like, but don't continue to hang out on his Facebook page. Yeah. You don't like what he's posting. Don't stay there. Racist remarks about his girlfriend. That's just, I mean, to me, that's, it just shows where people are, you know, it just shows really what, that they have no understanding of, of libertarianism. Libertarianism isn't doesn't tell people what to believe. It tells people what not to do to each other. Right. So it tells you it tells me to tr- I mean to treat people like I would want to be treated and not to to take from them, not to aggress against them. But it doesn't tell me my like morality. I just tell people like the the non-aggression principle is the beginning of morality, not the end. No. Like everything yeah. else is built on top of that, and it's not going to cover. 
there are things like like abortion. That's a that's a sticky issue. Yeah, and that's something because, that you're not going to solve in like two minutes of conversation. You've really right. got to go out there and explain. Yeah, yeah. Because there are competing rights. There's competing interests, and and there are rights of each of the individuals involved, and they're all competing with each other. And so if they want different things, and so that makes it a tricky issue. That's something that the non-aggression principle is is you can try to apply it in a certain way, but it doesn't quite solve it. There are other things it doesn't quite solve. Right. But that's where the rest of your morality kicks in. Yeah. And, and you say, okay, well, you know, I believe this. Well, that great. You have to, you just have to make allowances that something like I'm personally, I'm, I'm pro-life. I, I don't, I don't know when life begins. So I, I take the, you know, um, I just be better safe than sorry. Like I, I especially once, a, there's a little heartbeat and things like that. I'm I'm pretty sure that that's alive, but I know there are differences of opinion and there are there are reasonable differences of opinion, right? Yeah. But I would say I'm personally pro-life, and I'll try and convince you of that. But I don't want to legislate it. I don't right. want regulations against it because I know also what prohibitions do, and I know. Wait, are you telling me are... legislating morality is a is not the the greatest thing in the world? Right, exactly, and and you know I don't want people to have abortions. Like I, I think it's I think it's wrong. Yeah, and and I, like I said, I want to convince you not to do it. But as we know, <laughs> laws are not going to stop people from doing what we think is wrong. Um, whether oh, they so are the ink on the paper isn't going to jump up and stop a person from doing a criminal act. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Um, so you know, it's just it's one of those areas where it's very tricky and. You know, I, I don't murder babies. Like, I don't want people murdering babies. But, you know, if there are, like I said, maybe some more reasonable scientific arguments that you could make. But I, I feel like there's too much punishment and not enough going, okay, people have to suffer the consequences of their actions. Yeah. Um, you know, if, 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 a, if a parent lets their kids walk to the park and it's in a bad neighborhood and something happens to their kids. Terrible. I mean, that's terrible. Yeah, on that's awful. You wouldn't want, you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. Right. Yeah. So those parents have already suffered a huge consequence for that. Um, do they need to go to prison? Probably not. Like there, there's so many things where you would go, okay, maybe it was a lapse in judgment, but they're paying the ultimate price. You're losing your kid, you know, and sometimes it's just not anybody's fault, right? People want to put people in jail for things that aren't really anybody's fault. Like any, the world is the world and bad people are going to do things. And that doesn't make us responsible for every evil act that people commit against us. So I just, uh, I have a real, I have a real problem with the way people view punishment, and you know, a lot of times, a lot of things that people want punishment for could be handled by a, you know, a fine or just yeah. paying the like if if you steal from somebody, going to prison doesn't help that person get their their money right. back, whatever. It it it'd be better if you had to pay them back their money. <laughs> but exactly. Uh, so I, I think we can. <laughs> kind of boil it down to this and I, I think this will call it quits here because we've been doing this for over an hour and I could probably talk to you oh, for another six really? hours yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, <Cool. laughs> 
But I think if I had a six-hour podcast, people would say, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to catch yeah, up tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I got to sleep and do things. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it's a little thing uh, that I learned uh, while dealing with uh, my kids who were, you know, foster kids and were, were in the process oh. of uh, adopting one. We've already adopted the uh, the boy. Bless and, you. And so uh, that's control the dot. So imagine like a white sheet of paper with a little black dot in the middle. That's you. Okay. There's a little circle outside that dot, and that's going to be your family. Another little circle outside that dot, and that's your friends. And then there's a larger circle outside that, and that's going to be like your neighborhood, your city, and stuff like that. Uh, You can't control people in the the city. You can't control your friends. You know, Mm -hmm. you might have some kind of influence over them. And you definitely can't control everything that your family does because, you know, Auntie uh, has Fox News on 24 hours a day. And you're (laughs) not going to convince her of anything. But the only thing yeah. that you can actually control out of all of that is that dot. So control mm-hmm. the dot and move on. And you can't control everybody else. Don't even try. Yeah. And human history is replete with um, examples of people trying to control other dots. And it just ends up horribly for everybody. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we're never like libertarianism. I think the reason that I love the philosophy of libertarianism of voluntarism is because I think it gives people the most agency and the most opportunity to have the life that they want and to be fulfilled personally but it's not utopian there are no no utopias we will never ever ever stop all the bad things from happening all we can do is make the most opportunity for for people to live and have the opportunity to have you know meaningful work and and a life that they don't feel like they need to take from their their neighbors but there's always going to be people who will just because right. they they want to so I, you know I, we can't stop everything but that's it's great advice that so we can control us and we can understand that most people are incentivized to do the things that make the most sense and if we can make living your best life the most sense yeah then you'll have less of that stuff but we're not going to solve the world's problems there's always going to be problems yeah, libertarian philosophy isn't aiming for perfection, just better. And maybe yep. even just a little bit better, <laughs> depending <laughs> on the situation. So, But yeah, Sherry, thanks for uh, coming on. Uh, I know this was uh, kind of last minute because I kind of asked you the other day to do this. So uh, the, it was uh, it was a blast. I, I'll, I can have you on anytime. Uh, hey, like I said, you. we could talk for hours and hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm wordy. You're wordy. It works out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, two two gingers just getting along. Imagine that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Maybe we have one soul. If we're to get like two gingers together, makes a soul. Well, I, I <laughs> my theory is, my theory is, no gingers are the most soulful people you will ever meet, and the I reason agree. for that is, we get a new freckle for each soul we consume. So right, right, we plenty. I've got tons of freckles. <laughs> ah, so you're doing the work. Yes, excellent. Doing the good work. <laughs> All right, Sherry, I want you to have a great night. And uh, guys, just be looking for this uh, here in the next couple of days. I'll get everything edited up and uh, and out there for everybody. So uh, it was great talking to you, Sherry. I'll, you I'll see you around on the on the Twitterverse and Facebooks and everything else. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Take care. All right, you too. Bye. All right, and there she Ooh. goes. Blink, blink. All right. Uh, yep, there she goes, folks. Uh, Sherry Voluntary. Uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a long one. But uh, we uh, covered a whole bunch of stuff, didn't we? 
So uh, right now we're going to get into the uh, the plugs of the show. Um, be sure to uh, support the show. You know, you can go to anchor.fm that has a support tab there. You can uh, support the show with as little as a 99 cents a month, not even a whole buck. Um, of course, you can go to patreon.com. And uh, from there, I have a couple little tiers. Uh, I'm going to start issuing out some um, bonus material to for you guys to check out in there. Uh, crypto, you know, bitbacker.io uh, slash user slash rebel with cause podcast. Uh, I do want to start putting some bonus material in there right now. Um, Bitbacker is, is still new. So um, I think as that platform grows and expands, it's, it's just going to get better. Uh, of course, other ways to give me fiat if you want, uh, subscribestar.com, I'm on there, as well as uh, paypal.me forward slash rebel, uh, rebel with a cause show, sorry. <laughs> uh, and other ways, um, you know, I got t-shirts, I got mugs you can buy. Uh, recently, the uh, the 2A uh, Zealot stuff is, uh, is getting some buzz, I'm getting some looks at that. Uh, thank you, Alyssa Milano, for uh, outing yourself as an idiot. Uh, <laughs> But of course, uh, always check me out on the social media, so uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Minds.com, Steemit, and everything. Uh, um, so that'll do it for this uh, for this week. Boy, that was a, that was a great one. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Out. <laughs>